Scott, welcome to Weather Jazz. Uh, are you ready to rock and roll? 
I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Absolutely. Down here in the man cave in the basement, you're going to see my baseball stuff. That's the Cleveland Indian Road Trip and the Cleveland's mm-hmm. uh, Napoleons, Cleveland Naps back in like 1922. Wow. Me, long Look at that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And some other stuff behind me from um, uh, from what was called the Gateway Project back in the uh, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Stadium and then the um, the new stadium, which is now Progressive Field. So, and then Buddy, my dog, is right over there. So, and this is where you do your other podcast with your brother, right? Yes, mm-hmm. that is correct. Yeah, my brother's usually hey, but let me go upstairs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my brother's usually at home, mm-hmm. and then uh, and I'm usually either down here or I'm I'm upstairs in the office, depending upon mm-hmm. on what's going on and who's at home and who is. Well, give it a plug. What's the name of the podcast so people can subscribe? Sure, sure. So our podcast is called Sable, my last name, S-A-B-O-L, Sable Brothers on the Baseline. It's basically a podcast on Cleveland sports Mm -hmm. and the history of Cleveland sports and some of the stories that maybe you're not aware of, stories that we weren't aware of, and some of the unknown people and some of the known people that are behind the stories. So uh, we've had had some success in in hearing some some interesting stuff that uh, I was not aware of over the last... Mm -hmm. Well, would you go back to probably the 60s and 70s and, and even up to the more recent times? So you can check it out. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. And if you're at work in your PC, just type in Sable Brothers on the baseline. You'll see it. Google search. I'm also very happy that uh, you are very casual at the moment. You've changed from your yeah. morning show. And I just got back from my workout and still oh, you didn't? Okay. literally I just walked in the door and I still have all my yeah. workout stuff in uh, on. So uh, people will get to see us with what's left of our hair down. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Much better here than, than in a uh, suit uh, especially at home. Well, let's talk about uh, what we're seeing in terms of long range. We have a couple of uh, uh, interesting programs ahead. I always it's- like to, to see what you're looking at. Coming up very soon, I w- want to also plug the fact that Joe Bastardi will be joining me on Weather Jazz in the very near future. And he, too, has just some fascinating, fascinating reads on the pulse of what the world is doing, which obviously, in turn, has a direct impact on what we see here in Northeast Ohio. So we have had a real eclectic weather pattern, really, since mid-December, very warm obscenely cold. I mean, right. to, it, it hurt. It hurt to be outside for any length of time around Christmas Eve. And then we spin it around. We see near record and record high temperatures again just a, a day or two ago. And now normal, mm-hmm. but we're heading back into what could be an interesting uh, plunge temperature-wise down the line. What are you seeing? What are you looking at? Well, what we're looking at now, and first off, uh, if you look at the jet stream off of Eastern Asia, I mean, it is, I mean, if you could draw a pencil on a map, west to east, I mean, it's a, a rip-roar jet stream right off of Eastern Asia, right across the Pacific. I mean, it is basically locked the cold air north. Mm-hmm. There, the polar vortex, I mean, looks like a donut. It is super strong. And so what we've seen now are these west to east storm systems, you know, they produced uh, more rain than anything else. You know, we've had perpetual cloud cover, uh, real recap, by the way, Andre, and I, I put this in the notes for everybody. Uh, I think I did. I can't remember this morning. If not, I'll put it in the note later on. Was that yesterday on January 4th and January 3rd were the two most humid 
January days here in Northern Ohio mm. in 28 years. So wow. the humidity was thick. Like you said, it's been, it's been abnormally warm. We've had a lot of rain, almost like an early April right. pattern, you know? Um, now looking down the road now, what, what, what we're looking at, and even back around Christmas, we started seeing some signs with the Southern Oscillation Index. It's the pressure pattern between Tahiti and Darwin Station. One of the, um, uh, connections, the teleconnections that we look at. And, uh, that was pointing to, uh, even then looking down the road at three weeks, which would take us through like the beginning of the third week of January, we'd start to see maybe the pattern reverting back to a colder one. But since we're already primed, you know, the psychology of a weather forecast, right? Our perceptions are already, uh, heavily weighted toward thinking that cold means what we had in, in, you know, around Christmas time. You know, a lot of people are going, what does that mean? We're going to be blizzard. Are we going to see temperatures 30 below and windshield factors mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. At least the third week of January, it's not looking that way. I think the cold coming is probably initially going to be more transient. We'll have a couple of days where temperatures are near normal, maybe a little, and then we'll bounce back up into the forties. Uh, and then, but I think this might be uh, a precursor to maybe what's coming into early February. Uh, the end of January. So, so our confidence is pretty high that this cold is going to be pretty transient over the next couple of weeks. Normal, a couple of days below, up a couple, couple of days above, no big extremes, mm-hmm. maybe some light, wetter snows. Um, but once we get past the third week of January, I think is what we're going to have to watch. The one thing we can, we're pretty confident on is that the polar vortex is pretty strong at this point. So if there's something that's going to weaken the polar vortex, at least from what I'm seeing now, it hasn't really shown up high confidence. Mm-hmm. And so it's there. It's it's just waiting for the right catalyst again to have a, a, a more direct direct impact uh, mm-hmm. in um, for in our case, the Great Lakes, the Northeast Ohio. Now sure, it's interesting sure. to note that despite the massive chill that we saw. On that Christmassy period, and it was a four day stretch. I mean, it was it was no picnic, but despite yeah. that, we did not see a whole lot of snow with that here in Cleveland. But yet in Buffalo, they they got two seasons worth of snow in what thirty six forty eight hours. Right, right, and it was that southwest wind that mm-hmm. came in behind that cold front. Uh, whatever day that was, the twenty. 20- 23rd, 20, mm-hmm. yeah, the Thursday into Friday and then Christmas Eve, Saturday. Right. So that cold print came in and it wasn't a Northwest wind behind that front. It was a West Southwest wind, like, like you said. And, uh, we dodged a big bullet there. That flow reminded me very similar to a snow back in October of 2006 when Buffalo got hammered in the middle of October. Mm-hmm. They ended up with like three feet of snow and then it went up to like 60 degrees. Um, that snow, at least the orientation of that band was, was, was interesting because it was just offshore. I mean, we're looking at eight, 10 miles offshore, but Buffalo got hammered. We saw, hardly saw anything right. from that. I think what our it's a mile was maybe seven inches. Of course, it was also the first time in eight years we had a wind chill of 35 below in a couple spots. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was cold. I mean, that was, that was dangerous cold for sure. So, uh, we're looking with a more transient, uh, cold pattern. Uh, which looks like it may take uh, shape here in the next couple of weeks. Probably a better chance of doing some catch-up work, but we're getting behind pretty fast. Uh, this is this is going to be just like the last six or seven years. It's going to be tough to catch up. 
It really is. Yeah. And you remember last year we had the big snow MLK weekend and that brought the number up pretty yeah. quick because last year we actually had less snow through January 15th by an inch or two than what we're probably going to end up with um, here in the next week. I mean, we might have an inch or two here and there, but you're right. There's a lot of catch up work. The other thing that I think we're going to have to watch now is that we're slowly transitioning out of a La Nina into probably more of a neutral and eventually an El Nino heading into, I got to remember here into the summer, maybe into the fall. Mm. Now it's not something that switches overnight no, because yeah. the ocean temperatures will change slowly. And we're seeing the, the changes in the currents and the upwelling of water and, and all that. Uh, but it'll take a while for the atmosphere to respond to that. Um, but still there'll be some response, not only at the surface, but you get the, you know, the propagating waves that start in the, in the tropics. This is something that's hard to visualize. And I have a trouble visualizing as you end up propagating waves through the atmosphere. They get up into the stratosphere. And a lot of times the, there'll be like a reflection back up into the higher latitudes, which can dislodge the polar vortex. Mm. So it, this 3D, you know, um, um, circulation, I'm, I'm overly simplifying. Um, that, um, um, that, you know, if we get into you know, early February, you know, there's a, there's a chance we could see some of that, you know, with the, with the transitioning occurring in the tropics and the MJO, maybe getting into a favorable phrase, maybe for some cold, but you know, that, that'll be the interesting time end of January to see whether or not that happens heading early February. But, you know, so far, I think December ended up being for us. And we thought we were looking at what was it? Two to three degrees below normal right. and ended up being a degree and a half below normal. Mm-hmm. So our forecast was, was close. January is going to be interesting because it's been very warm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. January might end up being near normal or slightly above mm-hmm. if, if nothing happens. That'll be kind of the telltale sign. Um, um, I'm sorry, the, the behavior of the polar vortex third week, fourth week, January will be the telltale sign as to what happens in February. So. So we'll see. Yeah, this could be what the eighth, eighth, eighth. It could be um, the eighth one, eighth, eighth consecutive winter with yeah. below normal snowfall. We'll have to see how that pans out. The right. we got a lot of time. the January temperature, though. Um, interesting to note that we did call for a temperature that was going to be pretty close to normal because we thought the okay. the January thaw uh, would kick That's- in and it would be prevalent. And, well, <laughs> I don't think anybody knew that it would be that prevalent. Interesting to know, you mentioned the um, the humidities and the dew points being as high in uh, that we've not seen in, what, 30, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember walking out the door that morning and feeling the air, and I thought, this feels like late April because yeah. of the moisture. And I actually looked at the dew point plot on on a national scale, and I saw this tongue of 60-degree dew point air heading up into the Tennessee Valley in January. So that was a little little unusual. I don't think anybody could have really visualized it was going to be that impressive. But that was one of the things that we did foresee in this whole process, that the January thaw would be significant it was more significant right. than I think anybody realized it would be. That's right. The January thaw. I forgot about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I had left my notes work. You're correct there. Yeah. So it's, you know, the other thing too is that, you know, we're getting into the time of year when you talk about Lake Erie ice um, mm-hmm. and for us here locally. You know, um, uh, last year we had four days, um, not consecutively, where we had ice coverage at 90%. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the three years prior to that, it might only happen one or two days and then it quickly dropped right. off. And then the one 2017, 18, we had like 18. Um, but you know, the Lake Erie ice is a direct correlation to our air temperature. You know, we would need some continuously cold, meaning highs in the tw- below freezing basically for several weeks at a time for us to develop a lot of ice on Lake Erie. We had, I mean, the ice development of Lake Erie was pretty rapid with the cold that we had. Right. We, you know, we need from virtually nothing to 23%. Now we're down to, I think, 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually our peak is early February, second week of February. And, you know, if the temperatures stay near normal in January, so let's, let's just go with that. Let's say that and the cold's transient. You know, we could have a lot of open water on Lake Erie right. heading into February. And should we end up with a cold air outbreak, you know, the potential for lake effect snow then really starts to go up too around that time, which is something we normally don't see a lot of in February. We see a lot of that more at the beginning of, uh, of the winter. Right. It tends to disappear as you go into February and March, sure. but uh, sure. this could be, this could be a, a, an interesting deviation from what, yeah. what is normal. No. All right, Scott, uh, we'll continue to monitor. And when you see anything, let me know and we'll come on back and, and discuss uh, what we're seeing in the meantime uh, well, prepare a, a, a window for Joe Bastardi to come along uh, and we'll have a what I'm sure is going to be a really interesting discussion on these long-range parameters because with technology that's changing, there are all these new parameters that we have to keep track of and some that, were, that are still yet to be discovered. It's a fascinating time. No question, yeah. And I mentioned this to you off camera before. Ask him about the Cahiers connection. Uh, it was a professor of his mm-hmm. uh, that he always mentions. And, um, and I, and I, I want to hear it straight from him again. I know he told it to me a while back, but you know, he's always busy doing other things. And I, and, and I, he explains it one more time. I'm sure I'll get it and visualize it. I'll feel fly to the long range forecast too. All right. Uh, Joe Bastardi will likely be watching this. So Joe. You're on the spot. So when you and I do this uh, here in Weather Jazz in the very near future, uh, maybe that's the first question that we talk about. That'll be a good one. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Scott. And uh, we'll uh, look forward to seeing how the rest of this winter uh, develops. Talk to you later, Audrey. And there you have it, an update for the winter thus far. We still have a lot of winter to go and a lot of opportunity to dig into those medium and long-range parameters. Coming up pretty soon, I will be having a discussion with meteorologist Joe Bastardi. He is very prominent in the long-range forecast scene, and he will give me an update on what he is seeing out there, as well as maybe talking about some of the parameters less talked about, but are just as important in medium and long-range seasonal forecasting. And incidentally, you can follow Joe Bastardi on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at BigJoeBastardi. He puts out lots of interesting things, but Also, you might want to consider getting a subscription to WeatherBell, weatherbell.com, where he posts virtually daily some thoughts about short range, medium range, and 
long-range forecasting, along with my former professor and boss and one of the co-founders of the Weather Channel, Dr. Joe DeLeo. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and happy Friday to you and everybody. Help me to spread the word about this podcast inside your sphere of influence on social media, on email, and direct eyeball-to-eyeball contact. However it is, you like to talk about weather. And I trust that's exactly why you're here. Do you have a question or a topic suggestion? I'm always welcoming your input. There are a couple of ways to get a hold of me. You can easily reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com and also via voicemail. You can call me on the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line and leave me a message. The number, easy to remember, 234-525-5888. Again, 234-525-5888. We'll see what the weather tosses our way, and we'll catch you next week with a bunch of new episodes right here on Weather Jazz. Have a great weekend. Weather and science across the globe. Jazz